I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 152 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvolution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, things you love, things you hate, things you want to hear more of on the show, let me know. The show exists to share the love of the Dynasty game and to help make you better at Dynasty Fantasy Football. And... To that end, ladies and gentlemen, it is an exciting day. I have a new guest, a first-time guest on the Dynasty Debates, the one and only Mighty McGlynn himself, John McGlynn, all the way over from the U.S. of A. Chi-Town. He is at John McGlynn 75 on Twitter. You can follow him. He is the commissioner evaluation show connoisseur meister podcast general i just made that up i don't know if that's your official title but john thank you so much for making time to hop on the pod how the heck are you buddy i am doing great it's been a great time the nfl fantasy football season is over with it's time to just sit back kick back drink some beers and watch football and it, there's no better time than this you know throw a couple bucks on DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever you use your bookie whatever the deal may be just hang out with buds have some beers enjoy the playoffs and just kind of it's stress-free living right now brother yeah and uh your beloved dub airs have the first overall pick so that's got to be fun that's got to be an exciting offseason up ahead am i right it is like we, we had these debates uh i've probably talked to about 400 people in the last four or five days you know at different bars restaurants out with family kind of stuff like that and everybody's got their own opinion on what to do today the bears to trade away, what, what's more valuable, Justin Fields or the one-on-one pick? Do you think you get more if you trade Justin Fields away? you think you get more if you trade a one-on-one pick away? What's better to rebuild? It's a new regime here. What do you do with, with Justin Fields? Like, is, is he the answer? Do we know what we have? I mean, the kind of the kind of a majority figure is that just keep keep trucking along with Justin Fields and build, build around him. You know, that's that seems to be the popular answer. And, you know, I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't know. I would like to start over again with, with, a, with a new quarterback. If you're doing a rebuild, just – completely rebuild you know start from scratch with a new quarterback with this regime's players with this regime's picks and then go from there but uh you know it, it's in Chicago it's it's a uh it's we haven't had a good quarterback since Jay Cutler and, and even he wasn't he's was the best quarterback of all time for this franchise and that's not saying much so just people are holding on so tight to Justin Fields' potential you know but three you could be as good as you want on a football field or your fantasy football team but you can't win three games and I understand that his, his right, receivers are, you know, crappy, a lot of my, bunch of injuries, but guys like Daniel Jones are throwing for 300 yards in the playoffs with, with possibly worse receivers than the Bears had this year. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's a tough situation. I'm just going to – I'm sick of getting yelled at my buddies and, t- you know, called all these names and all this other stuff about their quarterback and their, their you know, the popular guy in Justin Fields. So I'm just going to sit back and let it play out, and I just hope the Bears, you know, make the right moves. And I hope their draft picks come come into fruition. If they do trade back to 101 and get 10 picks, I hope all 10 of them hit. That's all I can do. It's root for the best scenario. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, it is similar to Dynasty Fantasy Football, in my opinion, where it's like, if you're not first, I'd rather be last. Do you know what I mean? I'm a Vikings fan myself, and it sucks. Like, we're sort of in purgatory. I don't like our quarterback. I'd rather have Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins, and we don't have a good draft pick this year. You know what I mean? So we're not really in a position where it's like, hey, let's load up. Let's, you know, let's make some serious moves. Like, we've got a lot of work to do. So it is, I think it's an exciting time to be a Chicago Bears fan. You know, like, I do believe in Justin Fields and his potential. I'd love to see them keep hold of fields, trade back, get some more draft picks. Look at what Brock Purdy's doing with an amazing defense to back him up. I think the defense is a large part of this puzzle. You know, when the defense is as bad as the Bears defense has been, as well as the offensive skill position players are lacking, it's hard to do much, you know, and you can't put that all on fields in this day and age with the mobile quarterback. You know that you can see that he's got that on lockdown. If you can build around what he does well, like the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts, I mean, look where they're at now. You know, they've got a really decent defense. They've built the offensive line amazing. They've brought in a couple of stud wide receivers, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone thinks Jalen Hurts is is amazing, you know, and a year or two ago, everyone was like, oh, he's a bum. You know, he's going to get replaced. You know, they've got draft picks. They're just going to trade him away and get, get a better quarterback. So it'll definitely be interesting. It'll be really, really interesting to see what happens. I'm excited. It's one of the big stories, storylines of the offseason that we're going to be talking about. And before we get ahead of ourselves, obviously, the reason for this particular podcast is is to look back. We're going to look back. We're not going to jump ahead yet. We have all off season to talk 2023 draft, to talk draft picks and draft prospects. If you listen to last week and well, I should say the last couple episodes, we did a rookie wide receiver recap, shall we say. So we talked about the 2022 wide receiver class um, and for a couple of reasons. So I'm just going to lay that out quickly in case you didn't listen to those episodes. If you didn't go back and listen to them, Wyatt Bertoloni was on. Great dude. Love Wyatt. It was a really fun couple of episodes. We talked about a lot of really good stuff. We're going to be doing something similar with the running back class. So we're going to go back couple of things that I really believe in and I think are really important for you as a listener and just for people who you know, digest a lot of content, the love dynasty fantasy football, or even just redraft or just fantasy football in general is, you know, who are you listening to? Who are the people that you're listening to? Who are the people that you're allowing to influence your decisions? Um, are they honest with themselves and honest with you about their process, about their hits as well as their misses? Um, are, is there transparency? Is there accountability? I think those things are really, really important. So I wanted to take time at the start of the offseason here to go back and say, let's look at, let's review, shall we, some of these takes, because um, we all have takes. It's easy to have opinions. They're like noses. Everyone's got one. But there are they right or are they wrong? Now, don't get me wrong. We're all going to miss. We all have misses. I don't care who you are. If you're the fantasy footballers, if you're, you know, Matthew Barry, everyone has misses. Everyone has those players that they just loved in college or they loved pre-draft and just didn't work out. That's fine. But are you getting more hits than misses? And are you being honest about your misses? So that's what this is all about. We're going to go back. We're going to talk about sort of my personal um, draft prospect profiles, what I, where I had players ranked in this running back class. And, um, you know, my draft process is really based primarily on film study. Um, now, I do try and equate a little bit of analytics into it. I'm probably not smart enough to really do that the way guys like Peter Howard and, you know, these other stat sheets spreadsheet gurus do. Um, but I do look at like things like breakout age and, you know, I look at things, you know, like target shares and, and these other advanced statistics to look at like underlying ideas of like, okay, is this a really solid prospect? Is this somebody, what's their draft capital? All those kind of things go into the fa factor into it. But primarily I use a lot of film study. And so what I did was a week before the NFL draft, I released all my personal rankings based on just my film study. I said, and, and what I do is to try and make it as easy as possible. 
instead of just throwing out these random numbers that maybe not mean anything, I've just created a scale where I say, look, anything from 81 to 90 on my scale means it's like a first round pick in a one QB league. 19 up means it's like this guy is elite elite. You need to like trade multiple first to get hold of this guy. This guy is a game changer. Um, anyone in the sort of seventies is more of like a second round pick sixties, third round. You get the idea. It's kind of like a sliding scale. Um, and, and you're just trying to give an idea of like, do I think you're, you, this player is worthy of investing a first round rookie draft pick, a second round, third round, et cetera, et cetera. So, all that being said, what we're going to be doing today, John has been so kind as to take time to come on here, talk through some rookie running backs. We're going to talk, start at the top, talk through sort of the guys that I had at the top of my uh, draft class, maybe listen to kind of what John, where John had those guys. We're going to talk some stats, facts, and figures from what they actually accomplished in the rookie year. We're going to give you a little bit of insight or just sort of opinions on where we see their future. Do we think they're players that we want to invest in, that we want to um, really go out and aggressively try and trade for in the offseason? Are we happy to hold or are we trying to get out from under them because we sort of think they're maybe on shaky ground or there isn't any more upside left? So that all that being said, um, it's going to be a fun episode. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. John, do you have anything else to say before we dive straight into these rookies? No, I. I you said your process. Uh I, as a person who played football my entire life, uh, all the way through college, and I played offensive lineman, left tackle. You know, I, so I was never. I don't know all the. I, I know the holes, and you know where guys are supposed to roll. I can tell you the plays, but I, the NFL. I don't understand. Like a lot of guys, you could see what they what they they watch film, but I don't. It's hard for me to understand how guys can watch film when you don't know the plays. How do you know what play was? How do you know what to look for? How do you know the quarterback didn't miss the first three reads when he threw the pass, the interception over here? How do you know the, the wide receiver didn't didn't think it was an out instead of an in or, or a, a, you know a flag instead of a post and ran the wrong route? That's why it was intercepted. That was. It's very hard for me to, I guess, trust the film people one way. But on the other side, there's the analytics people who sometimes you can ask some of these kids who are you know 18, 19, 22 years old who are in the fantasy football industry. They don't even know what color the Green Bay Packers are, but they can tell you every stat that Aaron Rodgers, you know, has this. It's a funny situation of I, I don't really trust either one of them, but working with both of their their rankings is more important to me than than trusting one person. Or so I, I gather data from probably about 15 people that I like and I trend. I, I'm learning how to use Google Sheets and it's helped me a lot learning how to trend and how to mix rankings. And, you know, I'm an old, I'm 47 now. I had typing in high school. So like I, 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 I work construction. I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a computer guy whatsoever. So it's, it, fantasy football is helping me to become more of a computer person, but at the same time, it's helping me understand other people where, where I can compare the, the analytics guys rankings compared to the tape guys rankings. And there's not that much difference sometimes, but you could really see like, Whoa, what happened here? Why do the film guys like this? And why do the analytics guys like this guy? Why is this happening? So my rankings, I guess, per se, are not, I don't watch film. I don't really rank anybody as far as that goes. But I take the people that I trust and I love and I, and I think are really smart minds in a, probably 15 or 16 different sites. And I put all their stuff kind of crashing together, depending. Then I make adjustments of where I think people are, too. So it's pretty close to, like, the, the average almost. But I mean, some people say it's like fantasy pros, but. Fantasy Pros has 700 people like putting rankings in all the time, or you know, DLF has, you know, their rankings, or you know, the player profile has their things. I just like doing it my way. I trust that way. At that point in time, I trust my process. I don't trust anybody else's. When I when I walk into a draft and I have my spreadsheet of what I created, that's what I want to draft from. That's where I trust. That's what I have. I, I don't I don't go by anybody else's rankings. I go by my own. So, but they're not really my own, I, as I explained before. But it's a it's a tough situation. I um I like that there's such 
great content out there across the board for everybody to choose from. But just remember, it's what it's what who you think is has the best option for you to go off of is what you should trust. You know, if you really like JJ Zacharyson, or if you really like, you know, anybody, just you stick with that person or listen listen to everybody else. But you you kind of you can't flip flop back and forth to different people all the time. You're going to confuse yourself. Yeah, you, know, you know, just get your get all your ducks in line. Feel confident what you're doing, and enjoy fantasy football. We're not here to oh, I should have done this or compare to that guy got wrong to this guy, and I should switch and follow this guy now. You you have to love this game. You have to love playing fantasy football. It's not about just winning money. It's about enjoying it with your friends. I'm in nothing but home league, so I guess my experience is a little bit different than guys who play online, where different countries, different cities, different whatever. So I, I just love playing fantasy football, and just do your thing. Just make sure you're happy. That's the only thing I have to say about that. Yeah, no, that's that's an awesome perspective because you're exactly right. It is supposed to be fun and you want to enjoy it. And and again, that's what I love about, you know, that's why I started this show is I love having different guests on every week. You get so many different flavors. You get so many different ideas and, and insights. And that's exactly right. You know, there's no, I'm certainly not going to ever say, listen, everybody, you need to like delete all the other podcasts and only listen to my show and only listen to my rankings. You know, there's things that I'm going to get right. There's things I'm going to definitely get wrong. There's awesome there's some amazing other shows out there that you should definitely be checking out. And it's awesome that this day and age where there's so many options, you know, sometimes there's like, when we first get into it, you like, there's like two podcasts I can listen to, you know? So hopefully they're good because nobody's doing these. Now there's all these awesome podcasts. There's YouTube channels. There's so much information. So you're exactly right. Um, we're just, I'm just sharing my story, my, my journey with it. And I also have a lot of really fun, awesome guests like yourself that come on, share their side of it. And hopefully we're all getting a little bit smarter, uh, every day at a time. So let's dive into these these uh, no longer rookies, but these 2022 rookie running backs because there's some fun guys to talk about. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. We are going to start here right at the top. So going back to last offseason, my number one running back was Brees Hall. I don't think that's a big surprise. To be fair, I think there was the kind of Kenneth Walker hive that kind of said that he was the running back one. For me, Brees Hall was the running back one. Um, I gave him an 86. So again, going back to my grading scale, that would be like a high first round draft pick in a one QB league. I feel very comfortable with that. I'm happy enough with that. He did get injured. Um, pretty serious injury. Unfortunately, he only got to play seven games in his rookie year. His stats from his rookie year, 80 rush attempts, 463 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per carry, 19 receptions, 218 receiving yards, five total touchdowns, and 16.4 fantasy points per game. Now, those are kind of just the bottom line stats. Um, one thing that if you've listened to this show for a while, or if you've just played fantasy football for a while that you probably will know or have heard is that bottom line end of your stats can often be misleading. You can, you know, for example, I know for years, we always use the example of someone like Tyler Lockett, where he would end up as like the wide receiver in 11 or 12, but actually week to week, he was very frustrating if you were relying on him because he would have three points one week and kill you. And then the next week you might even bench him and he would have like 40 points, you know, he'd go off on your bench. So we look at things, we want to break it down beyond just the year in stats, because again, if you look at year in stats, Brees Hall, seven games played, you might think ah, it's not great because you're comparing it to somebody who played 50 or 16 games. So a couple of the stats that we're going to look at here, there's lots of stats these days. <laughs> you could literally talk for hours just about the different stats and categories. I've picked out a couple that 
I like to look at, I like to use that I feel like try and give me a little bit of an insight into um, how efficient, how actually dynamic, how, how, um, how dominant is this running back? Because the thing about running backs for me, and I'll get John's take on this in a minute is most running backs who are good enough to be in the NFL. If you give them 20, 25 carries a game, if you give them enough volume, you're going to get some production. Like you just are. It's a lot. Um, th- there's that saying that, you know, opportunity is king. Um, you know, there's that whole idea and mindset that if any running backs getting 20 carries a game, they're going to be fantasy viable to some extent. So just getting 20 running, you know, getting a running back that had 250 carries this year, that's great, but actually how efficient were they with their carries, things like that. So a couple of the stats I want you to think about here. I'm going to give you the stat and I'm going to give you the uh, kind of explanation of what that stat means because I don't ever want to really use jargon and kind of be confusing or, or overly wordy when we're talking about these things because it should be fun. It should be easy to understand. And it should just be, uh, yeah, something that makes sense and helps make you a better fantasy football player. So one of the advanced stats that I will be kind of referring to as we talk through some of these guys is called fantasy points per opportunity. So fantasy points per opportunity just divides the total fantasy points by running backs, total carries and targets, just trying to give a number to like every time they touch the ball, how much were they gaining? And then obviously putting a number on that. So when we look at Brees Hall, he he averaged 1.03 fantasy points per opportunity. So per target or per uh, carry. And that was actually seventh in the NFL. So that's very, very good. As you can imagine, Um, being inside the top 10 or top 12 of any category like that is really great, especially as a rookie. You know, you're getting used to the NFL. You've got incumbents that you're kind of like going up against. The next stat that I'm going to be talking about is true true yards per carry. So we talk about yards per carry and a lot of people say yards per carry don't matter. Uh, It's a stupid stat, but true yards per carry is slightly different because what it does is it discounts all runs greater than 10 yards, which puts a premium on consistency and factors out the disproportionate impact of a long run. Because we all know that there could be somebody who was averaging two yards per um, attempt, Leonard Fournette maybe, and then gets like a 65 yard 80 yard run at the end of the game and their stats look brilliant, but actually they weren't really that efficient. There was a busted play. They had a big carry. So true yards per carry. I like um, when I'm just looking at efficiency and I'm trying to figure out how, how really like, on a on a carry by carry game by game basis were they really being efficient or were they just lucky to have a lot of volume so Brees Hall had 5.3 true yards per carry which was number 3 in the NFL so i think you're getting where where i'm going with this it was it was very good um there's only a couple more here so i'm taking a while to explain them because this is the first time we're talking about them as we continue on the episode i'll just refer to them and hopefully you'll have listened and paid attention uh the other one that i like to look at is juke rate so juke rate is evaded tackles per touch i think that's really important for a running back it's not just are they getting the ball running into the wall and just hoping for the best are they actually breaking tackles are they being um are they being uh, evading tackles are they being elusive in the open field so juke rate um Brees hall had a 50.5 percent juke rate which is insane um it was number one in the nfl so that's very very good now again i appreciate the Brees hall obviously only played seven games um so this sample size is a smaller sample size if he played a full complement of games maybe the number wouldn't have been as high maybe it wouldn't have been as astronomically high uh, but it is still is really 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 solid numbers really exciting numbers i do think he's a premier um fantasy running back dynasty running back and then the last couple of ones we're going to talk about there's two more here 
One is yards created per touch. So yards created per, per touch is all yards above and beyond what was blocked per carry and reception and generated by the runner after the first evaded tackle. So basically that's a long-winded way of saying we're trying to look at what did the actual running back themselves produce, not what did the offensive line produce, not what did um, you know the target produce, but it's like actually themselves, what did they create? And Brees Hall created 4.32 yards per created per touch, which was third in the NFL. So lastly, dominator rating. We talked about dominator rating with wide receivers, so you might be familiar with that already. It's a running back's percentage of total team yards and team touchdowns generated on offense. Um, so yeah, how big of a slice of the pie are they contributing to with the overall off efficiency and uh, domination of the offense? So Brees Hall's dominator rating was 29.6, which was seventh in the NFL. So that's a lot of numbers, a lot of facts and figures. Um, needless to say, those are very good. Like most of those are really, really good. I do have a couple other things I'm going to touch on here, but again, I've been talking for a long time. I'm going to throw it to John. John, what was your initial thoughts about Brees Hall when he was coming out? What did you think of the seven games that he did play? How? What are your What are your kind of immediate reactions to his rookie season? Guy was, you know, it was, it was fantastic when he was playing. You know, it was uh, it was something that you couldn't. It, we all knew he was going to be special, and then uh, you know when. When he, unfortunately, when he got hurt, it was kind of like it took all the wind out of the sails for the Jets. So uh, we we knew that uh, that he was going to come into the NFL and just make things happen, and he sure did. He exploded right from the get go. So uh, I think everybody that drafted him was, you know, every week, uh, you know, giving the high fives or uh, thanks for the one one or you know that kind of stuff. It was you know a lot of fun banter going on with the uh, with that pick. And then when he got hurt, it was like, oh, you don't want to see injuries in the NFL by any means whatsoever. But I, I had a, I, I think he had a chance to be something, you know, special, you know, really special. And I think he's, you know, hopefully this, this injury situation is, is something that he recovers 100% from. But uh, he was somebody that you just can't – out of a, a kind of a weak class, I'd say, this year, he was one of the, one of the couple that were really had a chance to make a difference on a, on a fantasy and an NFL team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You hate to see those injuries. I do think I've, I've talked about it before. We'll not go too into depth because obviously we have a lot to get through. But I do think with Brees Hall, he is a freak athlete. Like he is that 99th percentile athlete. So yes, it was a serious injury. Yes, it'll take a little bit of time. But he's somebody I would be willing to bet on um, recovering from that injury, bouncing back and still, you know, he's so young and he has so much of his career ahead of him. So just for context, again, because I think context is really important. We can throw out these numbers and we can say things like he was number seven that, and we know that's good, but I think it's important. Sometimes we, we did this with the wide receivers. We kind of compared a couple of the real studs to like CD lamb or, you know, AJ Brown guys that we are now, you know, crowning as these top five assets in dynasty. And for me, if you look at like, for example, uh, Saquon Barkley, who just had a great season, but you know, when he came out, he lit the world on fire. He was everybody's, you know, dynasty, uh, dynasty running back one, things like that. So just real quickly, I'm going to run through and compare and contrast Brees Hall's rookie season with Saquon's rookie season, as far as just those underlying stats go. And as far as like Saquon had fantasy points per opportunity, he averaged one point, um, which was 38th in his rookie year. Now, 
as far as true yards per carry, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry versus Brees Hall's 5.3. So we can give that to Brees there. Juke rate, which we talked about evaded tackles. Saquon was 32.4%, which was ninth his rookie year, which again, top 10, top 12. That's amazing. And we all saw that and knew that. Uh, I already talked about Brees Hall's juke rate was absolutely insane at 50.5%. Again, that probably would have come down a bit if he'd have played a full complement of games. He only played seven games, but still, we're just working with what we have. Yards created per touch. Saquon is 1.96. He was fifth his uh, rookie year. And we talked about yards created per touch. um, Brees Hall was 4.32. Again, smaller sample size probably would have come down. Dominator rating, Saquon 37.6. And uh, Brees Hall was 29.6. So the reason I bring that up is I think it gives you a little bit even more context to say, man, this dude, Brees Hall is a special dude. And if there is anybody who's like, oh, he's injured. He's, he's, oh, I'm done with him. I need somebody else. And you can get any sort of a discount. I, I would be very, very intrigued if you're in that position where you can afford to um, invest in a running back, or you're looking to invest in a running back, or maybe, maybe the guy or gal who has Brees Hall is a contender. They're looking to go for it next year, and they're worried and everything. And you've got somebody who's like Aaron Jones or somebody who's a bit aging, and you can give them Aaron Jones and a first or something like that. Get a deal worked out, and you get much younger, get a better, bigger shelf life for somebody. I think is is really elite. I would certainly be up for that, or I'd be interested in the idea of it. Um, I know you said it was a really weak class. I feel like there was some really good talent in this class, though, John. It was interesting. I was looking at some stats, and you know, did you know that there's only been 19 rookie running backs who've broken a thousand yards um, in their first season since 2010? And in this year, we had three that did that. So that's a pretty, really cool number. Now, to be fair, I'm including Travis Etienne as one of those rookies because technically speaking, this is his rookie year. I mean, he did not play a game. Um, But, you know, that's really good, I think, uh, to to, to be fair. There was three. uh, Do you know who the three players are? I mean, obviously, we just, I just gave you away Travis Etienne. Can you tell me the other two? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I'm I'm probably going to go, well, what did Ken Walker have? I, you know, it's. Yep. He broke a thousand. He's one of them. Who's the third? It's probably, uh, um, it was Algier, right? Yep, it was. Absolutely. So very impressive for those guys. Moving right on then. Oh, before we do, I think Brees Hall deserves. Man, he is a dog. He absolutely <laughs> was a dog. Absolutely lived up to all the hype. Love Brees Hall. My RB2 in the class was Kenneth Walker the third. Kenny C. Walker the third. I gave him a grade of 84.5, so a little bit below Brees Hall, but comfortably in second place. He managed to play 15 games. He was beat up a little bit, but he played a lot more of the season than Brees Hall. No serious injuries, thankfully. In 2022, 15 games played. He had 228 rush attempts for 1,051 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. He did manage 27 receptions for 165 receiving yards. He had nine touchdowns and he averaged 13.5 fantasy points per game. Now, same sort of stats. We're going to be using the same sort of goalposts because there's no point in chopping and changing and jumping around. As far as those underlying stats, the kind of more efficiency-related stats, uh, Kenneth Walker, fantasy points per opportunity was down at 0.77, which was 40th in the NFL. So not as efficient, um, not creating as much, You know, not, not at the same level as Brees Hall. His true yards per carry was 4.1, which was 38th in the NFL. His juke rate, so again, evaded tackles, 31%, which was 12th. So that's very, very good. And yards created per touch, 2.97, which was 19th. So again, very solid. Dominator rating was 22.7%, which is 
18th was 18th this year so yes it was a very solid year broke a thousand yards we already talked about that um he obviously had some pretty interesting stats some underlying stats there i do think there's more meat on the bones going forward i think he can take another step forward as the offensive line hopefully gets better as they may get some more weapons with those draft picks this year what's your takeaway on uh kenneth walker the third here john are you a big fan or are you just sort of middle of the road you're not sure uh no i'm not middle of the road i i, I I think that he is, uh, he's kind of proven that, uh, I think everybody, in when the season started, they expected a 50-50, a timeshare, maybe Ken Walker to have to win this job, and then he kind of just fell right into the whole the whole thing, so uh, he kind of, he proved himself. Uh, I got some notes here from last year, we'll, we'll, we talk about the players, we'll, you know, you know, transfer Wake Forest, wasn't a, wasn't really the guy at Wake, best pure rusher in this class, was not used in any kind of receiving role, uh, Devin Singletary, a little more juice, some breakaway speed, possibly the best rusher that might, but that might be it. Uh, one trick pony were some of the questions that were asked about him going in. I think he proved a lot of those things wrong. So uh, post-draft might not come out on fire, you know, be patient, but uh, early, if he doesn't pan out right away, you know, it would be a buy right away. Only caught 13 balls his whole college career. So there was definitely a lot of questions that I have written down about Ken Walker in this process pre-draft. These are like January uh, of last year's kind of notes that I took from different podcasts I listened to. So there was a lot of concerns. And I think he fell on the board because of the concerns and the timeshare and all and just fantasy stats that people were expecting him to produce. Uh, I, I think if you didn't if you didn't buy him for at a discounted rate at this at the early, at startup drafts last season, you you'd have to, you're gonna have to overpay to get him now because we all know how expensive running backs are, and especially in dynasty leagues or redraft, I guess uh, across the board. So it's um it's it's something that I I'd love to have Kenneth Walker on my team. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't. I trade away all my picks every year. I trade back up in the second, third round when I think there's value. I never have any first round picks, so I had no shot at Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and these guys. So I wish I did. I wish I would have spent a little bit to move back up in the draft somewhere and pick Kenneth Walker, but he was a he at one point in time he was discounted player, but no more. Yeah, I know that that is very true. I think that you know it's nice to see, like you said, I know one of the biggest knocks on him sort of coming out. Everyone, well, there were the hardcore like he is the best running back in this class and all that kind of stuff. I I loved him. He was my RB two. I thought Brees Hall was fairly obviously better um, in my opinion, but. I, I know a lot of people were concerned about the lack of pass catching and that's understandable. And I think that's one of those things where you've mentioned, you mentioned right at the top where, you know, there's analytics guys and they get so caught up into, you know, Hey, if they didn't hit a certain threshold for their target share or for their targets or receptions, then uh, that's a big red flag for me. Film guys, you know, they can get caught up into their own little things that, that, you know, can, can lead them astray at times. For me, I understood the concerns. I got it. I did. I, I hunted on purpose. I wanted to see when he was targeted, was he catching the ball? And I thought he looked all right catching the ball. I thought he could catch the ball. I just thought that the, you know, the Michigan wasn't really targeting the running back. That's just not what they were doing. Um, you know, where, where he was playing, not Michigan, sorry. Um, Michigan State. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, for me with seeing him have 27 receptions this year was definitely really encouraging, you know, because again, that is his rookie year. He did have a little bit of injuries. Anytime you get a really good rusher, who's really efficient, who's getting the touchdown equity. If he's getting 40, 50 receptions on top of that, that's, 
that is what you want. I mean, that is literally going to be gold as long as he can stay healthy. And um, I, I think that's something that we we should be really excited about. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I was going to mention now that we've talked about the top two, the, the big two, let's be honest, probably the big two in this class. We'll talk about more obviously, but I did want to bring in PFF because we talked about that with wide receivers. I do like PFF a lot because they sort of focus a lot on the film. So they study film, break it down. They break it down to whatever degree you want to go to. You can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want to. They'll talk about zone versus gap. They'll talk about, you know, yards per contact, uh, yards after, um, yards after contact per attempt. They'll just give you basic ratings. So if I look at, um, again, just for sake of parameters, I've looked at the entire 2022 season all running backs who have received at least 50 carries because I didn't want a, a running back who got three carries but busted off some big plays to kind of skew the stats. I wanted people that were regularly contributing to their teams. So this is the really interesting thing to me. And this is where you sort of kind of like John mentioned earlier, you want to look at a pretty big high level view. You want to listen to some analytics people. You want to listen to some film people. You want to look at maybe a couple of different sites, stats and, and things and try and get a really solid understanding because Actually, from PFF's standpoint, um, Brees Hall didn't really rank that highly. If you look at their running backs, so fifty car- minimum 50 carries, uh, there's 67 running backs that they've got in this sample size. And Brees Hall comes in as RB45 for them as far as just their overall offensive grade. Um, and if you look at just their pure run grade, he comes in as RB35. So that's not great. So if you were just going by PFF, and looking at just their offensive and their run grade, you'd probably be a little bit bummed out. But there's a lot that goes into that. And we already talked about the small sample size, rookie year, things like that. To be fair as well, though, if you look at their elusive rating, which is something I really like to look at, because what their elusive rating is, it's a PFF signature stat. And it basically looks at sort of what we were talking about earlier as far as it's looking at specifically just what did the running back themselves accomplish, uh, kind of independent of the blocking. He actually had the best elusive rating. <laughs> so it, it is interesting. You know, he certainly comes in at the, he came in as the number one um, out of all those running backs for elusive rating. So that's certainly encouraging. If we look at Kenneth Walker versus Brees Hall with those same sort of measures, measurables, he came in, let me just filter that. He came in quite a bit higher. So that's a really interesting stat um, or sorry, data point for me. So for their offensive ranking, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third came in at RB 22. And as far as their pure, just run grade, he came in at RB 13. So they were quite a bit higher when they were studying his tape and breaking down what he actually did. Again, he had a bigger sample size that could have influenced it as well. And if we look at just the pure elusive rating, Kenneth Walker, the third was RB20, which again, RB20 is not terrible. Like RB20 is certainly respectable, but it's not as dominant as Brees Hall. So that's just a couple of things more to think about, uh, kind of maybe way up as you're looking at. I think I agree with John with your take that, you know, if you didn't buy the dip when he was struggling at the very start of the season and people had their doubts, you're going to have to overpay. I think a lot of people have kind of anointed him as, a top five, top eight dynasty running back because of his age and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it is going to be expensive to get on the Kenneth Walker, the third train, if you aren't already moving on, then just next running back here that I did want to touch on, because I've mentioned that it is important to talk about hits as well as our misses. For me, this was a big miss. This is probably my biggest miss on the running back class of last year. And it was Mr. Isaiah Spiller. I really liked his tape. I, I just, I didn't think he was the best pure runner. I just thought he was an exciting playmaker when I looked at him at, out of Texas A&M. 
I gave Isaiah Spiller an 84 grade, so less of a grade than Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. He was my RB3 in the class, but pre-NFL draft, I was saying I'd probably be happy using a mid to late first round pick in a one QB league on him. Now, this is the context. Once the NFL draft happens, if something happens like in Isaiah Spiller, where he goes then in like the fourth round or fifth round, that drops him down my board. So when I was saying, look, now that we have landing spot draft capital, the fact that he nosedived that hard was a big red flag to me. And I dropped him down where I was like, okay, I'd be taking him in like mid to late second round, maybe in a one QB league now because I've got concerns. And those concerns were justified. He he really did sort of nosedive this year. He went to the Chargers, which wasn't a terrible landing spot because Austin Eckler is awesome, but the Chargers have made it clear they wanted like a 1B or a, a, a RB2 to kind of come in and spell Eckler. They, they want to maintain and prolong Eckler's career as long as possible. He's not the biggest dude in the world. So there was certainly opportunity to be had, and he just didn't grab it. Like he was getting out-snapped by Joshua Kelly um which is never a good a good thing in 2022 he only played in six games he only had 18 rush attempts 41 yards 2.3 yards per carry three receptions for 13 receiving yards and zero touchdowns so absolute you know face plant on my part I know there was other people that liked him and were excited about him. I wasn't the only one but hands up definitely got that one wrong and like I said, you know, to be clear, in my defense, I wasn't taking him in the late first round after the NFL draft happened. I was like, okay, there's obviously something I'm not seeing. I'm not getting just looking at the film. I don't know if it's maturity. I don't know if it's work ethic. I don't know what it is. But if the NFL devalues him that much um, and they're that concerned about him, then I'm certainly not going to be jumping the gun here. So I only have a couple shares, thankfully. And I was taking him in like the late second round, mid to late second round when he was still available in one QB leagues. Man, what a face plant. Um, I just don't think personally, I'll, I'll throw to John here and see what he has to say, but I, I don't think there's any real hope for him. I think if he couldn't get on the field this year with the thin running back depth chart and with the issues that they were having at times with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missing time, they needed offensive playmakers. There was opportunity there. And if he couldn't make an impact there, um, I don't see a lot of hope for him moving forward. So he's not somebody I'm suggesting or recommending as like a buy low. But John, what's your thoughts? Were you excited about Spiller? Were you anti-Spiller? Or you didn't really have a strong opinion either way? Across the board, I mean, as of January 6th of last year and my trending, he was the number one player overall in a one-quarterback draft. You know, that, that's where he was with DLF and, uh, I, you know, a handful of other places had him at number one. You know, they, no burst on the next level. He kept getting caught from behind. You know, a good goal line back, youngest running back in the class, six, 500 rushes, 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns. Doesn't have breakaway speed was kind of his biggest uh, his biggest knock. He had pretty soft hands. A lot of work to do in the pass protection was a, was a problem too. But I think his after uh, after the NFL draft kind of happened and he fell so far. That's uh, it, that was the problem. I, I think a young guy like this, bad athletic, bad athletic testing, and, and the draft capital just kind of plummeted his uh, his draft his his stock. So I, I liked him a lot. I I don't have him anywhere because again I don't have any high draft picks, and even where he was going was too high for anywhere I had picks at. But I am still trying to acquire him everywhere I can. He's still young. I you know if anything could happen, Golly knows what a year or two in the NFL in a backup duty or in his case fourth string duty pretty much. You're learning something by just being on an NFL team. 
maybe he doesn't have breakaway speed, but a lot of guys don't have breakaway speed. You know, they, you see guys like Brian Robinson and guys like that who everybody called a bathtub at legs still made pretty decent, uh, you know, season this year. So I'm buying Spiller everywhere I can. If I have a 30-man rosters or 35-man rosters, he's well worth a draft spot for me just in case. I think Austin Eckler is just playing out of his mind. And that's just uh, it, it's a, I lost a couple bets that Austin Eckler wouldn't be in the top five, and he ended up being number one last year in the top five this year again. I had to pay some people some actual NFL jerseys, uh, the bets that, that I had to cough up for making these predictions. But I had no idea that Isaiah Spiller wasn't going to have a like a one-two punch kind of uh, uh, thunder and lightning kind of situation for you know the, in tandem with uh, this offense. I was wrong on him too. I think a lot of people were wrong on him. And it just it, – it happens sometimes. Nothing to be ashamed of. You, you use your best evaluation, and I think a lot of people got to get Isaiah Spiller wrong. Yeah, and that is fair. And I think you're right in saying that, you know, one thing that I try and do in my dynasty rosters is that back – you know, that back half of your bench is just – that is four running backs. You know, it's four of these backup running backs, these Donta Foremans that you could have picked up off the waiver wire. You know, these guys that people just throw away for dead. Um, you know, even like last year, I mean, you were you were you were getting guys like Jamal Williams for a third or a fourth. You know what I mean? Nobody wanted him, and yet he turned into be an RB one this year. If you give, I mean, again, that goes to my point. And to be fair, I'm not saying I do think Jamal Williams is a talented running back, but. I don't think he's as talented as, you know, Saquon Barkley or Brees Hall or anything like that. I think any running back, you give them enough run, <laughs> enough runway, and you're going to be able to get some fantasy goodness out of them. So for me, yeah, I agree that, you know, if Isaiah Spiller's sitting on your waiver wire, absolutely pick him up. Or if you can get him for like a fourth round pick or something, yeah, absolutely knock yourself out. But I'm not going to be beating the drum of like, hey, you know, go out there and throw a 23 second and get Isaiah Spiller. No, that's, I'm not on that train. So that was kind of the top three for me. I'm actually just going to stop it there. So much like last week's with Wyatt, me and John were having such a great time talking running backs and breaking down stats and giving ideas and back and forth that we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. So just in case an hour and a half is a bit too long of a podcast for you, I've just broken into two. This one is going to uh, this one is going to go live on Tuesday and part two will go live on Thursday. So this week you get running backs all week. It's going to be a lot of fun. So there you go. We got the first three out of the way. Sort of the biggest ones to talk about, I think, um, from an initial grading perspective. So two hits and a miss. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be jumping into the rest of the guys, James Cook. And, you know, we're going to talk Damian Pierce. We're going to talk Tyler Algier. We're going to talk all those guys in part two. So definitely, definitely catch up again on Thursday. But let me know what you think. Where did you guys have these guys? And uh, do you disagree with any of our takes on whether they're sells or buys, etc.? And can I just be so bold as to say, if you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying this episode or just all of them in general, please subscribe. Make sure you download each episode. It really helps the numbers, helps me with um, just basically building this podcast, building the, the reach of it. And also the most important thing, if you don't mind, go on and leave a rating and review if you don't mind. If you like the show, if you're enjoying it, leave a five-star rating and review. Um, it really, really does help the show. It, it helps boost the algorithm. It pushes it out further, and it doesn't cost you anything, So, and I really appreciate it. But having said all that, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Hopefully you'll enjoy, enjoy part two. Speak to you again soon, and keep getting those dynasty trades. I draft zero RB in dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven I forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be Frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank
One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. 